Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome listeners to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, seven states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com and listen to the live stream of the program there. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and listen to the live stream there. You can download the TuneIn app on any of your devices, your iPhone, your desktop, your iPad, your BlackBerry. And uh, in the search engine of TuneIn, TuneIn is a free app, by the way, and in that search engine, type in Time for an Awakening, and there you'll see the icon to listen to the program and live stream there and even into your car. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. That's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Time for Awakening has a fan page there. Just go to, uh, in that search engine of Facebook, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily. And before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening with the fan page on Facebook. And also Time for Awakening Media has been launched. Uh, it should be one of your favorites, but in your address bar, just type in timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. It'll take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. There you'll see uh, more articles, blogs, podcasts of the programs that you can download listen at later time at a later time or share with your friends so again make that one of your favorites and put that in your address bar that's time for an awakening dot com time for awakening dot com will take you straight to time for an awakening media tonight uh one of our friends of the program and a great guest is scheduled this evening author activist and director of the institute of urban research at morgan state university dr ray winbush will be with us in conversation. The author of the acclaimed book, Should America Pay? Slavery and the Raging Debate on Reparations, will be with us to talk about the need to establish a black political party, reparations, and other hot topics centering around that. We'll be right back to get things started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, Brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. 
everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your host elliot welcome back <clears throat> welcome back excuse me to time for an awakening before we get started this evening uh my, my co-host philadelphia neighborhood activist and tour guide at african-american history museum here in philadelphia at seventh and arch brother richard is with us on the line brother richard Yes, yes, Brother How are you, sir? I, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, and, and, I, and I'm really going to be excited to uh, hear from Professor Win, Winbush, to, um, you know, to really help develop this um, constant thing around the, the political parties and reparations. <laughs> That's, you know, more and more <clears throat> you hear, uh, you know, we talked about it all the time. We've, we've always talked about it since Time for Waking has been on. Uh, I think some of our people had been lulled to sleep during the Obama administration, but all of a sudden you hear people, and it's a hot topic on some people's minds now that uh, Donald Trump has taken over as president. But uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll delve into this subject with uh, with our friend, author, activist, and director of the Institute of Urban Research at Morgan State University, Professor Ray Winbush, is with us. Dr. Winbush, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Elliot. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, and I'm here with the Brother Richard. How you doing, Brother how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. That's good. Professor Winbush, you know, I heard you on the nationally syndicated show a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I listen to it all the time. Um, and you raised some interesting issues near the end of the program, and I wanted you to kind of continue that subject here on Time for Awakening about the need for a black political party. Uh, We're going to mix reparations into that uh, subject along with other topics. But, you know, early last week, uh, when it was an exchange between uh, Donald Trump and uh, the White House correspondent, April Ryan, and he he told her, uh, I've been trying to talk to the uh, 
CBC, uh, do you know him? Maybe you can arrange the meeting. Right. Now, it, it, you know, it wasn't her responsibility to do that, and she could have really undressed him verbally, but uh, she chose not to or she didn't. But look at what he stated, because um, talking to the CBC, and the CBC haven't really reached out to network with grassroots people to establish an agenda, a concrete agenda that the majority of our people uh, uh, tend to agree with, would it really be fruitful for the CBC to talk with Donald Trump without an established agenda and without a real strong political backing beside the Democratic Party or a strong political party? Talk about it from your perspective, Dr. Winbush. Well, First of all, I mean, while I wouldn't discourage, you know, the CBC from talking to Trump, uh, neither would I encourage it. I mean, if anyone would expect something to come out of that substantive that would, you know, lead to some type of political, economic, educational, whatever change in the uh, American African community, you know, I, they they would be disappointed. Um, the CBC is the largest political caucus within the um, Congress, not just the Democratic Party, but within Congress, because there are, as you know, members of the uh, CBC that are black, that are Republican, mm -hmm. that many. And, you know, to measure effectiveness, I used to religiously, when I was teaching at Fisk, I, I would fly up. I mean, this is just one indicator. Uh, I would fly up to the, you know, annual CBC caucus that takes place every, you know, I think it's the third weekend in September or something like that. I don't, I never, after, you know, after about four or five years of doing it, I just saw it as being a fairly waste of my time. I, I participated on panels uh, with several people. I don't want to, you know, just a bunch of people. But even that small of a, happen you have all this these brains thousands of years literally of experience in that convention center um you 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 can't even generate people's minutes i mean wouldn't it be nice if we could go back to the 1990s and see what the cbc talked about in 1996 i mean i think the cbc has been impotent in terms of pushing a black agenda within mostly the Democratic Party. It's been just useless. It's impotent. Are there good members of the CBC? Absolutely. Uh, Maxine Waters. Um, you know, I'm, I'm Congressman um, Elijah Cummings is my comment. And, you know, we got issues about some things, but, you know, if an overall political effectiveness, if you measure political effectiveness, by what you get done for your constituents, it's very minimal that they could get, you know. And, and that's why I've been pushing as many of the old nationalists for years that there needs to be a black independent political party. Dr. Winbush, you just, now I didn't realize that, but you just mentioned that the black caucus is the largest caucus yeah. among any of the I guess caucus. little clicks among the federal government. Now, yeah. I want to ask a question dealing with that, because if we look at the Tea Party, which kind of came to prominence uh, 
after Obama was elected, you had members right. uh, coming up saying they were Tea Party and they were going to do everything to get him out. Uh, the Tea Party yep. pushed an agenda. They pushed it in, into Congress. Tea Party members got elected during that midterm election, I think during the, the President the Obama's first term. 2010, 2010 and, right. And now you look, and basically the Tea Party and their agenda is sitting in the White House. Yep. So the power, basically on raw numbers that you just stated, it shows that the Black Caucus have power, but right. their agenda, it's clear that their agenda is not freedom or, or freedom for their, I'm talking about real freedom. It's more of a assimilationist or integrationist yep. agenda, which is always no. going to fail. Talk about it from the perspective of the agenda with the numbers there and they're totally ineffective. It has to be a disconnect between the Black Caucus and the people. Well, you know, what it is, boys, I think with black folks, I mean, I'm not talking about black folks like black Republicans, but let's say the average black person, when they vote either at the local, county, state or national level, we basically vote for transformational politicians. That's what we want. We want somebody to get in there and change things, the status quo as it relates to Africans in America. We've always done this. I mean, this goes back to right after the Civil War during Reconstruction, that we, the idea of a black politician being elected uh, by most black constituents is that he or she is going to transform things. Now, we saw, we have had transformational leaders. I can give you some names. Uh, uh, Maynard Jackson, the mayor of Atlanta, he literally changed the way economically for black folks. I mean, just the building of that airport, he said that at least 40, I think it was 40, 45% of the vendors had to be black. And you see that. And many of those black vendors now became not only middle class, but they did a lot for the building up of what we now know as black Atlanta. Uh, Marion Barry here in D.C., someone told me just the other day that Marion Barry created more black millionaires and, and constantly. He said, I am going to help black Washingtonians, and he did. Uh, Harold Washington over in Chicago is another example. What we've gotten lately, and when I mean lately, since the CBC was formed back in the 1980s, what we've gotten most, I should say 70s, we've got, like you just said, more assimilationist politicians. They just want to be a part of the system. Mm -hmm. Am I down? They're not there to transform anymore. In fact, they're there to say, what is the status quo? Uh, My primary concern is being reelected. And while I will speak out, for black folk to make sure that I'm visible, I'm you know I hold meetings on the phone, town hall meetings, and so forth. You got to ask the question that Janet Jackson asked 20 years ago: What have you done for me lately? And it's not been that much. I'm not going to say it hasn't been anything, but it simply hasn't been that much. And so what you see is black folk monolithically vote for Democrats the way we monolithically 70, 80 years ago voted for Republicans. You know, my, my father, you know, he voted for Truman in 1948. 
he voted for Eisenhower in uh, 1952 and Adlai Stevenson in 1956. He voted for um, Roosevelt during that period. But if you look prior to World War II, black folk monolithically voted for Republicans, and black folk in this country have voted monolithically. There's never been like a 50-50 split between the two party system, between Democrats and Republicans. It's usually a hundred years ago, you know, 85, 90% voted Republicans, handful, you know, uh, voted for Democrats, and now we've reversed it. So the CBC does want to maintain the status quo, and, and that's out of line with what most black people really want. We voted for Barack Obama because we thought he was going to be transformational, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he maintained the status quo. He was transformational with other groups, uh, women, gays, lesbians, Latinos, and other groups, but he wasn't transformational, and we're starting to see that literature emerge right now of uh, people writing about it. You know, let me get uh, Brother Richard involved in the conversation. Brother Richard, uh, you know, we talk about this politics thing a lot, uh, and, and uh, I know that you want to uh, jump in here with uh, some comments or questions for Dr. Winbush. Yeah, yeah, yes, Professor. You know, uh, I'm glad that you're one, one um, Professor Winbush. I'm glad that you... Uh, uh, said American Negro, because I use that um, phrase, and I think it's kind of important So <laughs> to hear you say that, um, speaking to our particular experience. Um, the, the, and, and the um, point, the comment, I guess there's a comment, because in characterizing the C- CBC and the new, quote-unquote, black politicians, uh, and I guess I'll try to ask this as a question, they seem to be more entrepreneurial than yeah. representatives. <clears throat> Would you agree with that? No, undoubtedly. They make a lot of money. I mean, not just being paid for with their salaries and the perks and all of that, but most of them afterwards or many of them afterwards become very wealthy. You know, so and 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 see, look, when I'm advocating for the CBC, look, Irish politicians during the late nineteenth century and early twentieth century, Italian politicians during uh, the middle part of uh, last century, they expected their Italian leaders to do something for Italians. The Irish expected the uh, Irish elected officials to do something for the Irish. We have to hold them accountable beyond just making money. You know, you know they, we have to say, what have you done for our district tangibly in the last few uh since you've been elected two years ago and it, it does that does that um and it's, it's interesting because I, I was just looking over um the um the party formation in the south as you have mentioned um those um elect, um politicians being transformational as they came into congress um i'm seeing in 48 in 1848 the liberty party and 1875 yep. they had the greenback party and um, you know, even up to, um, but the, the thought is that the um, people were engaged in that, and I, I guess what at the at the at the ground level, they right. they were they were participating in that those formations. Um, yeah. 
and after the repression uh, in the South, I can understand why that became destabilized. The question I have is, is the, did the same thing occur in the North as far as, uh, one, as far as the kind of po- political formation among uh, American Africans to really try to take control of, of their part of the political machinery, or were they always just um, servants to others at the ground level, other ethnic groups, as you mentioned, Irish, Italians, later Italians, um, and, and, and just getting um, kickbacks. Uh, I'm going to call it that for lack of a better word for right now. But were they ever, I mean, I see a different distinction between what was going on in the South, political mo- mobilization and organizing, and to party formation and what was going on in the North. Am I off no, on that? I think you're absolutely on, you know, you're on point. I mean, I think there's exceptions to that. You know, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and as a boy, I remember us working those, like, you know, the grassroots, as you called it. We worked for Carl Stokes to be mayor, and he was transformational. Uh, Chicago with Harold Washington, um, and at that time, even uh, what's his name Hatcher over at Richard Hatcher in uh, Gary. But if you notice, every one of those three, that, or, or Coleman Young over in Detroit, but all of that occurred during the '60s and the '70s. In the South, of course, we have Fannie Lou Hamer helping to organize um, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. You know, we had uh, uh, Brother Kwame Ture organizing, people forget the Lowndes County Freedom Organization, which ultimately, as you know, was connected to the Black Panther Party in Oakland with Bobby Seale and Huey Newton. I think that you you see more political activity at the grassroots in the South during the 60s and also even before the 1960s, going way back to Reconstruction. Most of the black people that were elected, uh, LB, uh, Pinchback is governor of Louisiana, uh, the South Carolina, those were Southern things. And it, we didn't have that act, political activity in the North the way we had it in the South. And there's been a lot of historians that have, you know, speculated why the one that I like simply is because you had a higher concentration of black people in the South uh, after Reconstruction and prior to the Great Migration of the 1920s. But even after the 60s, that legacy of ownership was more common in the South than in the North, you know. I, I, I think what it is is that the political, and I'm not trying to say this in a demeaning term way, but the political rhetoric came out of the North. Uh, and, and the thing that comes to my mind immediately, of course, is 1972 with the uh, Black Political Convention, you know, convention in Gary, Indiana. Gary, right. uh, mm-hmm. The, the, the uh, meeting in Newark a few years later as well as even in 1980 when a black political independent party was actually for the nationalists got together. But these parties never sustained themselves. I mean, Fannie Lou Hamer's uh, position is no longer, I mean, party is no longer doing anything, you know. And does that make, because Brother Elliot raised the point about the um, Tea Party, and and we kind of know that the... uh, 
the financial backers of the Tea Party was these um, these brothers. I know I can't they, they Co- name. Coke brothers. Um, Coke brothers. Yeah. So that yeah. gives that party formation the ability to be able to um, continue um, to put things and there's other elements too. So the question I'm raising was the question about individuals with wealth who had who have the, uh, the, the recognize the importance of African American uh, American Africans party formation to help finance that. And I know our wealth disparity is different um, even amongst the you know the quote unquote black super rich, but I I, I don't know if the same um, will by those individuals to say to help finance um, formation, especially at the local level, does exist. Um, have you yes, seen that? No, no, you're absolutely correct. I cannot name one extremely wealthy person, either, you know, I mean, a public person, either entertainer, whatever, industrial, black industrial, this has ever contributed significantly to a black independent party. Uh, we usually, let's, let's take Hillary last election. What Hillary did was go around to the traditional black donors in the party, the entertainers, let's be clear, that she added a new constituency this time with the, and I think exploited the black mothers and fathers whose right. children had been killed. Michael Brown, um, the only one she didn't get was from my hometown, uh, the young man that was killed. I'm blocking his name right now, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Tamir Wright. Tamir Wright. Mm-hmm. But we we don't have, like, I'm just going to say a name. We don't have, like, a Jay-Z standing up and saying, look, I'm going to contribute uh, $40 million to the formation of a black independent political party. I cannot mm-hmm. think, if you can, but I cannot think, of this, and I'm I'm going back to Mississippi with Fannie Lou and right, others. Right. I can't think of one wealthy black that is analogous to the Koch brothers, you know, with a, the idea of a black independent political party. And and that is the uh, one of the differences we were mentioning about the South, because um, in those um, individuals who I mean, not just individuals who had um, wealth. But there were people who had large business enterprises that were supporting in certain areas, yeah. Texas, um, those independent or at least the political formation um, to take that. So that that created a different dynamic. Now, when, when we say this, it also, um, and I, I I know we all heard that uh, Bob Johnson is, yeah. is now talking about. And that was uh, interesting to, to hear that as we start to hear more people raise the question about the need for a black independent party. And I don't know if that's a reaction, but do you think he's serious? And I don't want to make it a personal thing, but just the observational, because he kind of now goes into that vein. Um, being, you know, do you think he's serious about um, supporting that kind of formation? Well, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Like if you, <laughs> like if you ask me, are the Koch brothers serious about, supporting conservative guy, I would say yes. And they demonstrated by pouring money into it. To me, look, the, the lifeblood of uh, of any politician, black, white, or whatever, is money. And so if Bob Johnson right now 
stands up the way we were talking a few minutes ago about said, look, I'm going to put in to kick this thing off $15 million uh, into the formation of an independent black political party. And he said, also, I'm encouraging people like, uh, I'm going to just say it, Oprah Winfrey, Jay-Z, and others to do likewise, uh, LeBron James, you know, Russell Simmons, all of the Kenneth Chenault from American Express. And then I said, wow, these guys are really serious, and they mm-hmm. could do it. But look, there is no, and I'm just going to say, there is no excuse right now for us not having a, a black independent political party. And I've heard people say this, like one thing that I've called for, and y'all probably know it, back uh, when uh, Barack's second term, I said, we need in the next election, which would have been this past election, not to vote at all. Yeah. Just say we ain't vote for one election. That would mean. So I heard black people, well, we don't vote. You know, look at they can do anything to us. Watch what happens. Okay, so they ignored me and other black folk that were calling for this. We voted on mass for Hillary Clinton. Look who we got as president, yeah, Donald Trump. So it happened with with us voting totally. And the reason why I say not vote is because then we would have more political clout within those parties, but we would also have the basis for forming an independent black political party. We're in conversation this evening with the author, activist, director of the Institute of Urban Research at Morgan State University, Dr. Ray Winbush. And you can join this conversation, too, at 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof 
becomes unruly called Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today. 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly called Dooley. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. Antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m. With your host. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. You're the one who sent Kennedy to Washington. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. When you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, de- to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and got it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. In Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives, there are 257 who are Democrats. Only 177 are Republican. In the Senate, there are 67 uh, Democrats. Only 33 are Republicans. The party that you bass controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chump. (laughs) 
Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you are not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Listening to the voice of Malcolm, it seems like he's talking today. Let's go right back to, uh, we got some calls on hope, but let's go back to our, our guest tonight, author, activist, and director of the Institute of Urban Research at Morgan State University, Dr. Ray Winbush. Uh, Dr. Winbush, you know, you talked earlier at the beginning of the program about the need for a black political party. And you you do have uh, uh, black groups out there that have established agendas, uh, and you have uh, political parties that have been started and functioning the black coffee party down in the black belt in the South, the African right. people's party, uh, with Zaki Baruti over there in uh, Missouri, that's, uh, fashioning themselves, uh, under the, uh, Chokley Lumumba approach, uh, even his sure. son that ran in Jackson, you have agendas out there for the, the, uh, for our people, uh, uh, the one million conscious black contributors and voters have an established agenda. Omo uh, Wally Yeshitelli with the Black is Back Coalition. So we do have people uh, functioning out there. It's two things that stops a lot of our people from knowing what's going on. Uh, one of them was that Telecommunications Act that the Clintons pushed during the administration that pulled the rug out mm-hmm. from under conscious black uh, radio and substituted it with a lot of shucking and jiving in the mornings and, and satires and Amos and Andy skits uh, with uh, Tom John and Steve Harvey. I'll call the names. Right. And right. and also the people that we're talking about, which is the black elected officials by and large, that acts as an offensive lineman to uh, the white supremacist form of government, which is the quarterback. And you hate to say it, but some of our people act like they're offensive linemen. They don't want you to put these issues up. They don't want to deal with the real power. I don't know whether it's fear or they honestly are, like Malcolm termed them, traitors. Uh, Before we go to the callers, speak to that issue, uh, Dr. Wimbush. Well, I know we had here uh, Donna Edwards, who's a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, an elected official, for Maryland, she ran for senator here uh, in the last election, and all the black politicians in the state backed the white candidate, who is now a senator. Um, there's agendas out there. Um, this senator that is in, uh, what's his name, Kyle, the white boy, he, he actually said that he supported reparations, and we got some for him on that because we got him recording that. We have him recorded. I think on a national level, there's no shortage of agendas. But if you read, I mean, it's an old book, but it's still read. Haynes Walsh wrote a book back in the 70s called Black Political Parties, and he wrote another one called The Negro in Third-Party Politics, probably still one of the best books that you can read about. Um, here, here. <laughs> you know, I agree. I, I, I love both of them. I got black politics, too. <laughs> exactly. And what he says is something, so it really ain't that deep. With with independent black third parties, and I say, I say fourth, they ought to be fourth, fifth, and sixth party, but independent third black parties 
have lacked money from powerful, wealthy people in our community. Okay. You mentioned Bob Johnson. If we could get wealthy athletes, uh, industrialists, uh, business people in general, uh, entertainers to back up, we could be a force to be reckoned with in this country. We've never done that, though, because they will, uh, you know, Bob Johnson at one time was very closely affiliated with the Republican Party, very closely affiliated mm-hmm. with it. And so we, they will back, and, and look, the Democratic Party as well as the Republican will look at those wealthy black, black donors and get money from them. And they'll give it to them. What they need to do is, you know, I always tell people what was missing in Gary in 1972 were wealthy black folk. We, we were grassroots poor folk. And we had a good intention. So if you look at what um, Omar Wiley and others are doing around the country, what Chokwe did down in Mississippi, they still, we don't have the money to do it. And that's what's so frustrating because I'm telling you, $15 million could kick off a black political party if the name, if LeBron James got up right now, say, I'm giving $15 million. Now I don't want to put a burden on him, but $15 million, $20 million, $30 million to swarm black blood, everybody would follow his lead. What we're just afraid of is that, you know, we get off the plantation. And the difference, as I said, before, between the Democrats and the Republicans is like doing enslavement when a Enslaved Africans say, "Look, I want to flee to Master Johnson's, uh, you know, plantation. He only beats us five times a, a week. This guy that I'm on the plant, Master Smith, he beats us ten times. So Master Smith, they still you still getting beat, and we don't get anything out of." Them. Let's go to six o two area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Six o two. Yes, yes, brother. This is Brother Marcus from Memphis. How are you, Marcus? I'm doing great, brothers. I'm doing great. I, I'd like to ask the professor a question, and then I'll just hang up and, and listen. I I would like to know how much sway does white liberals, how much control do, do white liberals have over our present black political leadership? And I'll hang <laughs> up and listen. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that well, question, Marcus. All right, you all know, right. okay, brother. I mean, you know, I could answer it in two words, almost total. I mean, it's what you have is wealth, white money, controlling almost not only you know politicians, but almost every aspect of organized organizations in our uh, in American society. The NAACP, the last I checked, had a board. Uh, of 57 people. Look, there's some state legislators that state legislators that are not that big, and many of those whites control the agenda of what the NAACP, a relatively conservative organization, does. Mm-hmm. We saw that uh, years ago when during the Million Man March, when you know the NAACP under Ben Chavis was supporting it. I know Brother Ben had some other issues going, but they. They shut that stuff down. So, so the answer, you know, your question, brother, from Memphis, most of it, our organizations are controlled by black folks. I mean, by white folks controlling black people. 
and that's at the p- political level too. One of the disappointments I have, I'm going to say this real quick, was when um, Barack Obama was elected in 2008. As you know, we controlled the Democrats controlled the House, the Senate, and the Supreme Court. And between 2000 and, and Congressman Conyers had promised us that he was going to introduce uh, HR 40, which is, you know, the reparations bill during that period. And after he got in and after the election, because he said he didn't want to do it under Bush, so we were happy when, and for that when Obama got elected. Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, told him, don't do that. The country's divided. It was, he's a black president. They're going to be thinking he got a black agenda. And Conyers withdrew the bill. <laughs> you know, and that's a fact. So many of us are, even those who get elected, that we put in office, are still listening to white people dictate their agendas. And, with, and our agendas become laws like Malcolm said. We don't, they only, you know, he, what do you call us? Chump. And that's true. We're Trump. Trump. Let's go to 404 area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Well, greetings to you, Elliot, Richard, and Dr. Ray Windbush. How are we tonight? How are you, sir? Great. How are you doing now? I am doing, um, I'm doing as well as can be expected, fellas, and it's now. Dr. Windbush, nice to hear you again. I believe we spoke uh, when you were on the Carl Nelson show, and um, nice to hear your voice again tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I agree with you that you were stating with start, starting our own party as well as putting up the funding. Now, what I find is that a lot of us have gotten very, very selfish with what we have, especially because it makes no sense that every community, ethnic community that comes into this country, they know one of the first things that they have to do is set up an economic base within which to operate from. And we're the only group who seem to think that we can go out and disperse ourselves amongst everybody else. First of all is we always like to think that we can carry everybody else's load and that somebody else is going to make those people load who we are carrying beholden to us. And we have not learned from our mistake to know that you have got to learn self-preservation about yourself first. Now, going back to what you said at the very beginning of the, when we were speaking about the so-called black politicians that we have elected and put into office, they have no they have no loyalty towards black people. They only have loyalty towards the, whether it be the Democratic or the Republican Party. That's where their first loyalty comes to, if not their religious faith. Because when I listened to Roland Martin when he interviewed um Richard Spencer on his show, one of the first things that when when, when Richard Spencer um the so called alt right racist that was on his show, when he one of the first things he asked him, well, what his position was, Roland um, was to identify himself first as a Christian. And that right away, you know, I clicked it off right there. I said, I even want to hear any more of this nonsense. <laughs> because I said, this, this is total buffoonery. Here it is, you got this man, this man told me he's a white man. He wanted the white people to be, um, um, to have what they feel is taken from them. And this clown on the ra- on, on TV is going to be talking about you know, he's, he's a Christian. You see, this is what happens to people when we get other people's ideas popped into our head, where we are trained by our enemy within which to function as a functionary for them. We can't function for ourselves because you can talk about a Christian. You know, Christians don't have, first of all, 
That's your oppressor's religion that was given to you. When your mother was pregnant, I keep repeating it over and over again. When my parents was pregnant, all they know they were having some black children. They didn't know nothing else, what the sex was going to be. They didn't know, you know if they want to raise us along the same faith basis themselves or nothing. All they know they were black children, and they know what they had to look out for us. So when people get and they start putting their religion and their political party ahead of them and start playing, want to play this race, neutral nonsense, it really and truly pisses me off, and I lose all respect for them. Yeah. Because if you were sick, I'm going to say this, and you know I'm going to pause. This situation with Donald Trump and with the Congressional Black Caucus, and as I said repeatedly, this man has not, um, has not been in office for a complete uh, month yet. Well, it, it, it's approaching a month now. It's going to be a month um, complete um, tomorrow. And they're expecting him, you know, they're coming down on him. I'm no Donald Trump fan, so let me clear that up right now, because I did not vote in this presidential election. There was no choice to vote for, so I choose to I recuse myself from the foolishness. But to expect Donald Trump to do that, all of this nonsense that you're talking about right now, to do what they never call him Barack Obama to do in eight years that he was in office, and the devastation, the, he ignored our community, he talked down to us. This man has no respect for black men in particular. Every time he can find to stick it to a black man, he's going to make sure that he stick it to you and let you know how he thinks about you. He is paying back his father for what his father did or didn't do for him. He's, he's, that's what he's on a mission to do. And he's been sticking it to us for the last eight years, and then for people to turn around and say, well, um, Donald Trump, you know, he, um, he's not my president, and, you know, I, um, he didn't call me, and, like, Elijah Cummings and all of that, you know, that, that I, I sent a letter to him. This man is 70 years old. It's a, it's a month into his presidency. You've got you to stay on his behind. Because the man is probably going to be suffering from early onset of, onset of dementia. So you've got to keep... <laughs> On him all the time to keep reminding him. Barack Obama was in his 40s. What was your damn excuse not to get on Barack Obama's behind when he blew you off? He blew you off for all, for all this time. He, he didn't want to have no meetings with the Congressional Caucus. Nancy Pelosi was running y'all agenda, telling y'all what y'all could and could not say as black people. Y'all didn't say nothing much. Within one month, y'all want to start a barn burning for something that y'all didn't do for, for eight doggone years. That's where I have issues with I'm going to pause here, gentlemen, and, let, and, and get your input, and then I'll, if I, you don't mind, if I could come back and just say one final thing, and then I'll get off the line. Dr. Wimbush? Well, well there's, there's a lot, and the sister said that it's absolutely true. I don't disagree with anyone, and, you know, it was almost blasphemous during the eight years that she mentions of Obama for you to even criticize Obama. I, I think even though it wasn't, unnatural for him to criticize us a lot mm-hmm. what i call these public spankings that he gave us at morehouse as well as in you know at the congressional black caucus one of those dinners that he held you know i i, I think that whoever is in office at the national local state level, the number one thing that i tell people is to make them accountable i also think that we've got to vote on candidates on issues that are very specific. For example, you will find white folks out in the rural areas saying, "Do you, they will ask their congressman, do you support the Second Amendment, freedom to carry a gun, open carry, whatever, issues of abortion. They will talk about prayer in school. Black folk got to start asking these people the same very specific question. Do you support reparations for uh, the African 
you know, trans-African slave trade. And if they say something like, no, or I don't know, or something like that, well, we're not going to vote for you. We have to become issue-specific. I don't see that happening in the Democratic Party and definitely not in the Republican Party. And, again, this is one reason why several of us have called for a very tangible, pragmatic, decisive formation of a third uh, political party in this country that would consist primarily of a black agenda. There were some, I know a lot of black folks, including me, and I'm going to admit this, we thought that the Green Party in the late 90s would do some of that because they actually uh, put reparations on their agenda. But the Green Party has gotten so divided up, that ain't working. We've got to go back to saying we're going to form our own political party. And, and, and I'm very serious about it. This is a good time to talk about that because of this disaster uh, in Washington we call the President of the United States right now, Agent Orange, you know. Brother Richard? Hey, look, I can't, I can't say anything um, more to it, I, you know, I, because I'm looking at as um, – uh, sister brought up the the whole whole question of of our identity not being identity based at first and foremost I, that that becomes that's what makes these in my mind these here um, political entrepreneurs because they're not it's not even that they're chasing the money they're chasing what they think is right to be able to to develop their careers. So where I'm, look, exactly. I'm looking at is as what you said, um, Dr. Winbush, in relationship now to the mechanics, because uh, and I was trying to, um, in Philadelphia as an example, we now have, there's a for, party formation coming out of the gentrification process where mm-hmm. these young whites are shadowing at the, uh, at the electoral level these wards and districts so that they can take take them over in the communities that they're moving in and moving the people out of. They're, they're moving towards that party process, and they have a disagreements with the Democratic Party, you know, Absolutely. as a party. But they're organizing specifically around that, and that's you know that's what I see uh, as a, uh, as a reaction to you know what the sister raised because we don't really have, we I don't. I see the opportunity is there now, but I don't see that that is the level of discussion when we're talking about actually developing political party or social political social formation. I just no, um, at this point. No, you're absolutely correct, Richard. Because see, the, what you just said shows how politics has to be a long-term game. It, it can't just be the every two years and the every four years. Uh, the, uh, the the Tea Party did that. They had a long-term uh, plan yeah. to capture the White House beginning in 2008, mm-hmm. and they did it. And now we start looking at elections. And, and as I've said before, most black people see voting as the end of the political process. That should be the beginning of it. And with what we've got to do is say, look, in Philadelphia, these white people are trying to gentrify this city. They're doing the same thing in Baltimore. They sit, they start saying, well, we know if we gentrify, we got to get politicians in there that will support 
new street lighting, uh, sewage, mm. and all this stuff. And that may take a couple of years, but this work, we've got to start having just detailed agendas for long-term gain. We may not form a black political party, let's say, for another four or five years, but we got to start doing it. And we seem to be hesitant about doing it because, again, we don't have the money and we don't have the commitment from those who could easily do it. Sir? Okay, um, Yes, it, yeah. I, I will just say, say this to close out sellers, and all of those were very good answers that you um, presented. My thing that, I, that I'm taking away from this is that I don't want to hear any more talking about black people come talking about a black-brown coalition or a people-of-color right. coalition or anything right. like that. If we don't want to say, um, for what you're going to do for black people, because is, right. all of these immigrant groups that are out here putting, up, put, putting out the, their um, platform, and getting decisions from court decisions, as well as having lawyers and fundraising drives to back them up. They have shown you the power that they have behind them to get things done within a matter of days, which has taken us years to even get anywhere close to. So I don't want to hear nothing more about no black-brown coalition because there is, there is no such thing. I don't want to hear nothing about our Jewish brothers and all this sort of foolishness. I don't exactly. even want to hear that word. Because right. the Jewish people, as you have said, with the, with the NAACP and the Urban League and all, and all of these other organizations that were started by them, because they put us as a front within which to, um, to push us to the front while they finagle and get whatever they want to get in the back. Because now you have a situation, as we have presented before, as because there is no longer that um, the cities have been regentrified. It is already a done process. It's only now of them moving out these black um, placeholders and putting in their white representatives in place. Because if you can take a white person who can say that they have an alternative lifestyle or they are gay, and they could plop themselves down and get minorities set aside, you know, pull it from the same pot. Here it is, and they're, they're part of the, the majority-dominant white community, and they're also putting themselves into the, um, into the minority community also and pulling from there. It has shown you that our ineptitude of us wanting to put preachers Instead of business yeah. people and attorneys to be presented to the table, Dr. King, bless his heart, and all of the other people that were in the civil rights movement, these were ecumenical, ecumenical um, people. Their focus was on God and saving souls and on the church. Their focus was not on law and reading laws to know what was presented in bills to them. So they left it up to their so-called good white friends who were, major who were all Jewish and lawyers and business people, and they finagle it and, and mix up these, these the various civil rights bills within which that they know eventually they're going to be coming back from 20, 40, 50 years later, and they're going to be eating out from the same bill and, and pushing you out. Now we, we can't even come into this bill and say, oh, ask for nothing minority. Because when you talk about minority, you're talking about gay people, you're talking about Jewish people, now you have the Latino, the Hispanics, and all of these other people um, that, that are out here, and black people are nowhere in play. So if anything, if, if I go to any meeting and they start talking about black and brown and people of color, that's when I pick my stuff up and I walk out, because I don't even want to hear it. If I don't hear black, I'm not with you, because I, we need to talk about ourselves for a minute. Now, all these other people, they can take care of themselves. We need to focus on ourselves. And fellas, you know, I'm going to pause here and let you other callers get in. And, you know, great show. I'm going to continue listening. Sir, thank you for your call. You're so welcome. Uh, what the sister said is just perfect. And see, I, I, I'm just saying that I ain't talking about no, like she said, no black-brown coalition and all that stuff like that. 
We need a black. We we saw this past week, mostly brown immigrants. They did a national strike. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about a national strike about black folk. They went these white women that did that march. They're talking about on March eight. They're going to strike all women a day without women or something like that. Why can't black folk say we are going to do this collectively? So. Our, when I say a black political party, I am talking about no coalition. If black folk get together, like Malcolm said, behind closed doors, solve their problem, and then announce something big, <laughs> and that we we want you to vote for this party, start running candidates, start funding candidates that are running who are have us in mind. That's what we need. And this thing, the other thing, the sister said about this religious stuff. Look, black folk, they know. White folks and black politicians oftentimes know that we are swayed by this religious dogma, which has held us in check at so many levels Most for definitely. so many years. I agree. And, and we've got we to gotta jump on So we know that the first thing they say is all of us get shot, like in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Do you forgive Dylan Roof? You know, white people need to hear when that brother shot everybody down in Dallas, you didn't hear them asking those cops, do you forgive the brother that shot? No, they're not going to ask us this. So this religion thing, we again have to behind closed doors, deal with this stuff as well. Let's go to 646, Eric Code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is, this is Brother Jay. How are you, sir? You know, good brother, you know, the one thing that, for some reason, the intellectuals and the rest of us black folks don't get the majority of black people want to be accepted and loved and worshipped by white folks. You can't have a black political party if the dominant amount of Negroes want to be loved by white folks. They want to integrate with white folks. They want to sleep with white folks. They want to be employed by white folks. Everything in the majority of black people's lives is based on the acceptance of white folks. And this is what the problem is. Nobody wants to be an African. Nobody wants to have African values. Everybody wants whiteness because they want to be able to have the trinkets of this filthy, no-good cracker. So here it is. You have someone like a Bob Johnson who has spoke about putting together a pack for black people in what? The Democratic Party, which is what? Dominated by white folks. Controlled by white folks. For white folks' power over who? Other people of color around the world. Now, here it is. Oprah and all the rest of these dumb, silly Negroes gave the Democratic Party millions of dollars. Did they spend any of that money in the black community? Did they spend any of that money... In black business? You understand what I'm trying to say to you? 
You cannot have any type of freedom in this country as African people as long as the dominant force within your society want to kiss the behind of white folks. They want what white folks have, their education, their value system. Everything that they want is based on whiteness. So it's a farce. It's a joke. What you have to do is get to the point to where as now we are facing something that I think we may never get the opportunity again is to become independent and build up black communities. What is happening in this country with this Neanderthal knuckle-dragger Trump and his immigration policy may be the best thing that ever happened to black folks in our lives, a.k.a. someplace like a California. Do you know that there will be a movement like never before of maybe this no-good, filthy Baba Louie leaving here? So now what they have done is, over the last 10, 15 years is coming to the black community and basically run the blacks out. So now what makes it happen is we can now reclaim those communities again and build our own institutions and change the mindset of our people to maybe have what so many of your Negroes fantasize about, Another Black Wall Street. Uh, Jay, hold on a second. Why let me get. Have, Jay, why let, did Negroes have Black Wall Street, Elliot? It, let, you know why Negroes had Black Wall Street? Is because they had to get the hell away from white folks. They knew that they had to take care of themselves and they had to do from themselves, separated from white folks. You will never have liberation as a people until you get this cracker out your mind. And black folks are never going to get this cracker out your mind. But Jay, 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 hold on a second. Let me get Brother Wim, uh, Dr. Wimbush involved in the conversation. Hold on a second. Dr. Wimbush? No, I agree with what the brother's saying. I mean, there's somebody who's recently said that, you know, most black people are not interested in dismantling the system of white supremacy. They are trying to find a more comfortable place in it and 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 which is essentially what the brother is saying and Mm -hmm. and i agree with that uh that's why we don't have a black independent party that is why even our wealthy africans in our community like oprah and others will give tons of money to black folk and not saying she doesn't do anything for the black community i ain't picking on oprah but we won't say we're going to get something for ourselves by ourselves. And, and that's why I say, and, you know, a lot of people don't like me saying it, but it's the truth. The most independent black organization in this world is not uh, the NAACP or SCLC was left of it. It's probably Zimbabwe and the Nation of Islam. And, and those are, they are not dependent on the white structure. Have they suffered for this? Somewhat, especially in the case of Zimbabwe. But the Nation of Islam makes sure, and it has its challenges, don't get me wrong, but it still is independent. And you can see the voice as being independent because they all depend on white money for anything. Let, let, let me say something. Jay, let me, let me say let something. Go ahead. 
Professor Winslow, I respect you, but you're wrong. You know why you're wrong? Because why? I would say 70% of the black men and women who are in the nation of Islam work for white folks. Well, and, that, and, that, and, and, and you can't see Zimbabwe, I agree with you, 100%. That's why you know they give Mugabe so much help. But the point is, I, we have to figure out how do we change the mindset of our people before we do anything. We have to recondition our minds. That's what made the nation of Islam great in the beginning was they were changing the mindset and the opinions that people had about who and what they was. Until we're able to do that, we're going to be in this same Ferris wheel every day. It's not going to change until you attack white supremacy to the point to where as if you work for a cracker, you must have the ability to give back a portion of what you get from this devil to rebuild and develop your community and focus on how we can become independent from this devil. Until that's happening, it ain't never going to work for us because the John Lewis's of the world, the Maxine Waters, and all of them, you know what they are? They were sneak rolls. Thank you for your call, man. Peace. All right. Uh I mean, Rick, I I have to say, Brother Jay um, challenges me every time in the because I kind of hear uh, absolute uh, one or the other. Not saying that what he's projecting isn't true, but I I think this is a process more than. No, it is a And I think that I agree with what he says. And. Uh, I, I think what it is, we like like with what he mentioned about you know many of the uh, brothers and sisters in NOI, you know work for white folks and a lot of black folks work for white folks. But see, the question is, how do you get that you do work for black people? And to me, that's a political process. You mm-hmm. know, and that's why I call for the issue of reparations as well as the issue of dealing with a black political party. Most com- most so-called white immigrants that came to this country, and we weren't white immigrants, but they started seeing the political power as being their ticket to economic success. And, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen that yet. We have had so-called economic success, but it's all been under a white umbrella. You know, you could be Chinese, move to Washington, D.C.'s Chinatown, never have to learn a word of English. You can come over here right now from China, never have to get a business because that community in Washington, D.C. has political power to change street signs, to make sure their sewers are working okay and the street lights are on every night. That's because they've got political power. And we, to get our people working for ourselves, working with black people, we've got to have political power. And we don't have it. We have it, but it's not organized at all into something that would benefit us. Dr. Wimbush, let me say something in reference to Jay's comments before I go to the next call. You know, Jay mentioned that uh, that, that overwhelming number of our people uh, just want to be comfortable with white folks. And I don't think that's true. 
I think that the overwhelming majority of our people think similar to Jay. Yeah. It's just okay. this. I'll give an example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> just say Jay, Jay calls from New York. Just say Jay says uh, that he wants to run in Harlem. And see, this is what our people don't seem to understand sometimes. That white folks think over time on planning moves against black folks. Black folks don't spend a lot of time strategizing against white people. That's but true. just the reverse happens with us. So just say, for example, Jay says, you know, I want to run in Harlem. My neighborhood is being gentrified. I'm running as a council person for this area. And all of a sudden, the word gets back to uh, 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 white, the white power structure, whether it's through a church pastor, whether it's through a, uh, 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 a ward leader or an alderman, the word gets back. Oh, it's, it's a guy, it's a radical. Jay wants to run in Harlem. So all of a sudden, the Democratic Party, which most black folks are, put their own candidate out there. White folks will put their mm-hmm. own black person out there and give him plenty of money. That's so right. Jay never gets to that seat. Right. They always have people standing in line ready to do other black folks in. I'll use a, a plantation, and this is just me. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong. I'll use a plantation type of uh, example. You had people on the plantation when we were in chattel enslavement, and you had, just say if you had 30 of our ancestors on the plantation, you might have had three of them that wanted freedom at any cost, run away, do whatever they had to do to do it. And then you might have had three that was like a Stephen out of that Django movie. You had three mm-hmm. Stevens, but then you had the other 25, 24 that really wanted freedom, but was either afraid or didn't know how to accomplish it, but would side with the person that wanted freedom. They wouldn't side with a Steven. So I think the overwhelming majority of our people really want freedom for their babies. They don't want to get gunned down by police. They want uh, 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 access to capital to start their own businesses. Some of our people just don't know how to accomplish it. And they put their faith in these black elected officials to do it for them like they did with Barack Obama. And he double crossed them or not necessarily double crossed them. It, 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 it came to the realization to some of our people that they were double crossed. But I'm saying yeah, that yeah. I don't think a lot of our people are just handkerchief head uh, assimilationists. That, go ahead, Dr. Well, Bush. Bobby Wright used to say that. He said that most black people, he, he used to say, you're either an assimilationist or an integrationist or you are a nationalist. Most black folk are assimilationists. Uh, they, they may say things that echo being a nationalist, independent, all of that. But most of our people really, they want good things for their children, all of that. They want good jobs. They don't want the cops to kill our children. But we don't organize around that. Okay. Issue. We don't organize around that issue. And, and, I, and I, will be, I will give an example, and I, one that I'm always using, and, and I would like to see if you, you agree or not. Um, when charter schools, the whole thing of charter schools came into being, black mm-hmm. parents, primarily women, that was a political move. They said their child is not getting educated in the public school system. Yeah, this, they got an option, 
and they move to that charter school, which now the 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 whole political machinery is upset to the point of why? Because at first it was anybody could run a charter school. Mm-hmm. Community people was able to run, manage state money to educate those children who the parents said, I know they're not getting educated in public school. Now, they might not have did that in the ballot, but they definitely did it by moving their child out of the public school system into the charter school system. And to me, that was a political move without actually being political. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> let's, grab, well, let's, yeah. let's grab another call. A 773 area code, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Brother X. I'm calling from the most racist city on earth, yeah. Chicago. Oh, I thought you was going to say Baltimore, Philadelphia. Yeah, I got a lot of competition, <laughs> but I think I beat them out. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Racist police. He shot Laquan McDonald 16 times on camera. He been walking the streets two and a half years, and they wondering who doing a lot of this killing. Now, the Tea Party. The Tea Party took off because of white supremacy. Don't be fooled. When white supremacy get up behind you, you move. Just like Donna, Hitler, Mussolini, Dump. White supremacy got behind him, put him where he at. It ain't because he ran and white folks mad with some system. That's BS. This is a white supremacy country. A lot of our people do not understand that. Now, I know that's why they say and do some of the things they do. They don't know the power of white supremacy and where they at. Now, the only thing we're going to do in this white supremacy country is be a slave, die, be a sex slave, or escape if you can. That is all we're going to do. Now, Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson is playing with people. This ain't personal. This business. Bob Johnson had BET. BET was a power that could have been reckoned with. Black people begged Bob Johnson, man, let us come together. Let us get this station from you. Bob Johnson ignored them, thumb his nose at him. A lot of them, he wouldn't even get back with them. A, a BET all over the world. That's the number one station in Africa. And he was showing a lot of those rap killing and shooting. And uh, people try to tell him, hey, man, let's cut back on that. He ignored them. And I know it's his business. I know he can do what he want to do. But you better believe this. As long as we got black people with stuff like BET, uh, Johnson Products, a lot of these other blacks with money, Michael Jackson, Motown, as long as we got people like that and they don't support their people, you have no chance whatsoever. They have to come and build institutions just like Rosewood, Tussle, Slocum, Wilmington. They have to do the same thing. If those people we have with money and a little resources, if they don't stand up to white supremacy, hey, boss, no, this hour, we're going to have this. If they don't do that, who you think going to do it, Ray Ray and Bay Bay and Shanique with a link card? Come on, man. Let's get real. Now, game is over for us. I try to tell people what's happening and then to come down the pipe so they will know and stop playing. If you want to save your life, you're going to have to get out of here. What you're seeing now is nasty 
Germany. They are taking you step by step. They are setting up the process so that the world will be prepared for what's been to happen here. That is exactly what they are doing. Donald Hitler ain't running nothing. He was put in by the gangsters. He's doing exactly what he's told. Barack Bush did what he was told. George Bushwhacker did what he was told. Them people ain't nothing but puppets. They don't run this empire. All of y'all listening know that. People, my last comment is this. If you can get out of here, if you can get your children, grandchildren out of here, I advise you to get them out of here. Our time is up, and you can play with that all you want. But these psychopaths, they ain't playing. Thank you, brother. Well, X, thank you for your call, sir. Yeah, it's true. Now, I agree with a lot of the things the brothers say. I, I'm going to, I don't want to sound like Jesse about keep hope alive, but, you know, <laughs> I think Elijah Muhammad says that 95% of black people's problem is organized. I mean, the other 5% are issues that we got. But we, if we, when we organize, and we have done it in the past, yes. we've got examples of it in the past. When we organize, we cannot be stopped. And that is what white folks know this. They know this. And and if we can organize, like Jane Cortez said, we can do anything. They keep us divided. You know, I, I want to transition this because uh, we got a couple more calls on hold and I'm going to get to them. I want to transition our conversation into <clears throat> reparations because we see the uh, that John Conyers has reintroduced uh, H.R. 40, the reparations bill. Uh, but something a little different that he did with this one, which uh, which uh, kind of shows me that he, uh, well, put it this way, it's something a little different he did with this bill because, um, uh, what's the brother's name? It's uh, the national chairman, Cam Ed, Cam Howard. Cam Howard. Of, see, I, can, I know the background of all that. because I'm, Go ahead. It's Cam or a good friend, we're on the National African-American Reparations Commission together. Go ahead. We pushed that. We pushed that bill. Cam wrote it. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Okay. And and we lobby. See, this this is this non-sexy work. We always want to be up in front of people. Cam did a yeoman's job in getting Conyers to get that bill altered the way you see it right now. Okay. We initially called it HR 40B to show because a lot of the stuff in HR 40A, the first one, has been accomplished. Like calling for a study, we got books out all over the place right now about reparations and its imp- and, uh, and enslavement's impact on black folks. So you, you know, thank Cam Howard for that, but that took a lot of pushing. A lot. We started working on that stuff back in June of last year. So it was like a nine-month thing. And that's the kind of political work that we need to be doing. Sam's a good brother. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to. I'm going to get back to that. Uh, let me grab some of these calls because they're kind of bunching up. Let's go to yeah, n- I, nine. To, I and, and I know I hold you a little over time, Dr. Wimbush, but maybe I could yeah. get through these calls. And, and uh, Let's go to 917, area code 917. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, how you doing, gentlemen? My name is Isaac. How are you, right Isaac? Around the corner. 
uh, from you, sir. I'm uh, here in Delaware, the first state and probably the most covert racist state um, that you guys uh, will probably know. I just want to touch upon the uh, uh, the uh, point about us starting our own political party. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, if we start our own political party, how do we make sure that we keep the elected officials that we put in office, how do we make sure they stay on tax? Um, I have an example. may not be the best one, but uh, you guys may remember probably about maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe a little uh, further back, Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, a Jewish kid, he gave $100 million to the city of Newark. City, in, city, city of Newark, excuse me. Um, yeah. And they're in very bad shape. The school system is in bad shape. The city has been in bad shape. Uh, the city is majority black. He gave us $100 million, and Cory Booker was the mayor at the time. That money is completely unaccountable. Yeah. Okay? So if we start our how do we make sure when a donator like an Oprah, a donator like a LeBron James, uh, we talked about Bob Johnson, how do we make sure that money gets put to use and stays black money? That's all I have. Thank you for I your mean, call, brother. Very quickly, Glenn, as you, you see what these white folks are doing right now at these local congressional uh, town hall meetings and what the Tea Party did. I've been looking at those. When, when Cory Booker got that $100 million, the first thing that should have occurred was him to have a meeting uh, with the entire newer community in terms of announcing what he was going to be doing and an accountability committee be set up mm-hmm. with, with what we don't do again. I hate to say, I love my people. I love Africans. But what we don't do. We don't follow through after we vote. That's why we are always low in turnout during the so-called midterm election. We ain't going to turn out in 2018 next year. There's a midterm election. And, and what we've got to do is, like, people like Cory Booker say, okay, here's the accountability co- committee. We're going to announce this committee, and we're going to watch everything that Cory Booker does with the money, everything. If he gets elected senator, which he did, we say, Cory, what did you do with the money that Zuckerberg gave? we got to do that at the local, state, and national level, and we don't do that. That's why I, I know I'm not going to call a name, but I know a, a, a politician right now. He said that his number one, he's a black politician, his number one object when he gets elected is to get reelected. That's his, <laughs> that's his priority. He's, Everything else is secondary. He's not alone. <laughs> Let's go and to. We got to start. Yeah, we just got to change the plan on that. That's all. 215 Eric Code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sister Omalara. Uh, Sister Omalara, how are you? Fine, how are you? I haven't spoken to you in, a, in quite a while. Great. I want you to know how much I'm really enjoying the program. And um, I especially like what you said about white folks think overtime. 
mm-hmm. about what they what they planning to do what they planning to do with us. And uh, you're right because they've been planning since the Voting Rights Act went through to start uh, figuring out how they're going to take the book back from us. And they certainly have been doing it for the past, I'll say, 16 years, starting in 2000. And then we know what they've been doing in the past couple of years, kicking black people off the voting rolls. So um, um, I wanted to know that, uh, ask you if you got um, the address that I sent you. I know I sent it to Reggie. No, uh, brother no. Rob. You know, brother. You know, brother Rob is uh, hospitalized. You know what? Um, send it. Send it again. Uh, I, you know what? Send it to the time for awakening. I'll get it. Okay. That's. Or I'll reach out to okay. you and and give you my personal email because I I kind of want to uh, uh, get in touch with with him. Okay. Okay. Then. Okay. That's just what I'll do. Okay. Send it to time for an awakening. Yes, at gmail dot com. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you, sister. Um, great show that you're having, and I'm so glad that I didn't miss this one. Usually I have well, something here and can't listen to you. Okay. But uh, I'm glad this week I was able to. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your call. Professor Winbush, I kept you overtime, and I wanted to really talk uh, about uh, the reparations piece. Oh, no, we had, this is a good conversation. We can talk about reparation get me on again and we'll talk devote a whole show to that but this is a great conversation listen i want to thank you for being with us um any parting words you want to give to our listening audience how they can reach you how they can get the books especially the classic yeah, can, that classic can, piece uh, follow. the best way to reach me i'm finding now is through social media uh ray winbush on facebook uh, r winbush on twitter um, I gave up my phone call last time I was the show, and I got inundated. But follow me on Facebook because I put my thoughts out there, uh, what I believe about stuff, as well as what we ought to be doing. So let's do it that way. Ray Winbush on Facebook. Okay? Doc Winbush, I'll be in touch with you. I want to get you back on so we can uh, go into the piece on reparations. Absolutely. And keep doing what you're doing, too, brothers. Very important. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay, now. We'll be right back. we got some callers on hold. We'll be right back to uh, continue the program. Open forum the rest of the way. 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Hey, did y'all see the stuff I posted on my wall? No, nah, it didn't even show up in my news feed. Man, I'm done with social media. All the injustice and brutality going around, and it's like they're trying to suppress our voice. We're trying to get the message out there, and you can't even share empowerment and what's going on around the country either. No, nah, don't be dumb with social media, though. It's a tool, and there is a place where we have a voice. It's a Let's Buy Black 365 social network. You do anything you want on any other social network. Post pictures, videos, status updates, share resources and community news. But on Let's Buy Black 365, it's a platform for us and by us to tell our messages. Whoa, that's like a digital underground railroad. What's the name of that site again? It's Let's Buy Black 365.com. Yeah, I heard about that. It's all about networking, and you get points, right? Yeah, the more you network work, post, and share, the more points you get. Plus, you get points for posting pictures, sharing information, attending community events, and inviting others to network with you on the app. Wow, that's all I need to know. I'm going to go download that app right now. Now, better yet, let me invite you so I can get some points. It's all about empowerment and solutions, y'all. Yeah, that's what's up. I'm all in. Let's do it. Let's share our stories. Let's buy Black365.com. History is a clock that people use to tell the political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go and what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. Where governments lie, God does not lie. Where governments change, God does not change. And I'm through now. But let me leave you with one more thing. Governments fail. The government in this text comprised of Caesar, Quirinius, Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate. The Roman government failed. The British government used to rule from east to west. The British government had a union jack. She colonized Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, and Hong Kong. Her navies ruled the seven seas all the way down to the tip of Argentina in the Falklands. 
But the British government failed. The Russian government failed. The Japanese government failed. The German government failed. And the United States of America government, when it came to treating her citizens of Indian descent fairly, she failed. She put them on reservations. When it came to treating her citizens of Japanese descent fairly, she failed. She put them in internment prison camps. When it came to treating the citizens of African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America. No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America that's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating her citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our guest that was with us, spent some time with us, author and activist and director of the Institute of Urban Research at Morgan State University, Dr. Ray Winbush. We've got to get him back on because I want to do a follow-up on reparations and what is going on in reference to it, especially after the decision handed down by the U.N. uh, that the United States is culpable uh, for reparations to descendants of Africans that live in this country. Um, it was kind of whitewashed during the uh, the run for president by Clinton and, and uh, Trump. Uh, it went by the boards. Even black folks didn't talk about it. But uh, uh, we talked about it on this program, and I wanted to get uh, Dr. Wimbush to uh, do a follow-up piece on that. We'll get him back at uh, a later date. Uh, interesting conversation, uh, Brother Richard, uh, with Dr. Winbush in reference to politics and, uh, you know, being that we're here and pay taxes. uh, And while this system still exists, we do need to have conscious voices to represent our people, not uh, assimilationist voices, not interrationist voices. We need to have solid black voices to represent the interests of black people. Uh, It's been past time, and uh, hopefully now it will get done. Let's. Uh, we got a couple calls on hold. That was on hold. Let's let's go to them. Two one five. Eric Code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, hey, brother Elliot. How you doing, my brother? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, 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 brother Richard. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Our praises be to our lie. <laughs> First, before I talk about the serious issues y'all got on the table tonight, <laughs> that that dimwit that's that's in the White House. You know, you know the guy would be laughable. I mean, he is laughable, but he's dangerous. But he's laughable, as you know, as you well know, brother Elliot. On, 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 I guess you need a little comic relief these days. <laughs> yeah. Sure, this guy's a total Neanderthal. He had, you know, he had a bunch of House Negroes at the White House the other week for that so-called Black History thing with Amarosa and and uh, Armstrong Williams, all those buffoons and clowns. Mm-hmm. Well. Trump got up there, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. He was talking about the the, the, the achievements of Frederick Douglass. 
this dumb wit got up there, Trump and said, Oh, Frankie Douglas is a great man. He's doing some great things. He's doing some great things as we speak now. He's what a great man and stuff like that. I guess he called himself trying to throw a, a bouquet at the black community. So somebody I guess they had to remind him, uh, uh President Trump, uh uh Frankie Douglas, he only been there for like hundred and twenty years. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a, is a complete idiot, man. And, 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 and don't forget, Brother Elliot and Brother, this is the same individual last year when he was campaigning for president. He was up at Penn State. So he asked the people up there, how was Joe Paterno, the former coach of Penn State? And they said, uh, by the way, uh, Trump, Mr. Trump, oh, Coach Paterno died back in 2012. He, was, he asked him, how was he doing? <laughs> man, this guy, man, I tell you. But that's what white folks like, Elliot. That's their boy. Yeah. That is their boy. <laughs> That, that's their boy. But y'all was listening to, uh, I was listening to Brother uh, Jay when he called in. And I, and I re- like you, brother, I respectfully agree with Jay on something, and I respectfully disagree. Like the comment about the Nation of Islam, look, I'm a member of the Nation of Islam, and I have worked for white people before I got injured on my job where I don't have to work anymore, where I can get my Social Security disability. I worked for white people, not because I wanted to, but because I had to survive. So many of them sisters and brothers, and Jay needs to understand this, many of them sisters and brothers work for the Nation of Islam, they're still using their money to help build up their nation. Like me, myself, Elliot, I work, when I work for these devils, I would give money to black organizations like the Nation of Islam, I would give money to 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 uh, I got an account at the black bank. I got a black insurance. That's how I'm, that's how I help. That's how I'm taking the money I work from these devils to build up my community. So I think it's unfair to sit there and say that the majority of people in the nation work for white people like like like, like that's some kind of a, a shot because no, them they work. Well, they work, I mean, they work. well, Joe, I don't so want to cut ahead. you, but the the majority of blacks in this country work for white people. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, and and, they, and a lot of them are not working for Whitey because they love them. They doing it to, to survive. Now, when when they, when, they, when it come to pass that they can ha- do for self and, and and work for black people, making a good salary, then they'll do so. But at the point, they do what they have to do to survive because the reality is that you have to survive in this in this capitalist system. So you so so you got a, a you're a man and, and you're in a brother in the nation. You got one or two, three, three children and a wife, and they got a mortgage, a car. No, what the hell are you gonna do? Sell drugs? You don't want nobody to be selling drugs for to our people. Right, so I mean, I, I think that's an unfair uh, thing to say and stuff. Like and again, I'm not trying to take no shot at you. I'm just being realistic and stuff. But them sisters and brothers that's in the nation, whether they doctors or lawyers working for white hospitals or white, they trying at the same time build up their own community. You know, they nation building. You know what I mean? So that, I, I just leave it. Let it leave, let it go at that. Okay, Elliot. And I move on. I just want to make that point. But I move on to to something that's really of concern for me, Elliot and, and Richard. As you well know, I'm sure y'all remember the, the, this terrible tragedy that happened back in 1978, a year before I graduated from high school, because I came out of high school in 79, the Jim Jones massacre. Remember, Elliot? Mm-hmm. When our people drank the Kool-Aid from that devil over there in Guyana. I hate to say this, Brother Elliot and, and Brother Richard. I want the, the audience around the country to take hold of what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to go for all of our great listeners, Brother J, Brother, Brother X, you know, Sister Sarah, Kit, everybody that's, that's, that's part of this program. I could see something like that happen again because, as you know, Brother Elliot, I work, I do volunteer work for Peace Safe Welfare Corporation for Aging, and I have an elderly client, black man, that I see five days a week and stuff. And he's a good man. His wife, they good people. They very deeply religious, and they have and they watch a lot and they watch a lot of religious shows when I'm over there. You know that's their right. You know I'm, I'm a Muslim, but that's their right to watch their own programs. And they, they you know, yes, you know, they got the, the black Christian uh, station, and, and it's what's so disturbing, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Many of these. Black Christian, many of these uh, programs that come on these so-called black Christian networks, white preachers, white evangelists. 
and they all got a lot of black people in their congregation. And I bring up this one individual, again, that I say is, is, is very similar to Jim Jones, this joker named Peter, Peter Poloff. This clown, he, before he got, got in trouble years ago, he, he used to preach primarily to white congregations. But now after he got in trouble with this IRS and everybody, his whole shit now is geared towards black people, mainly black, elderly, black women. And Brother Elliot and Richard, he'd be fleecing these sisters and brothers out of, out of their money. They send, them, they send them their checks, their gold, their jewelry, everything. And it's, and it's, it's, it's no doubt in my mind, this devil said, right now, drink the Kool-Aid. The, 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 our misguided black women and stuff that's part of his, they would drink it with no problem. And, 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 and the sad part is, Brother Elliot, many of these white preachers, whether it be him, Jimmy Swaggart, Oral Roberts, Pat Robinson, all these racist bastards. They all of them are pro-Israel, as you well know. They're anti-Muslim, they're anti-black, anti-African. And yet, so many of our people, like you say, our people suffer from lack of knowledge, as you said with Hosea, lack of knowledge. And so many of our people follow these jokers. They send them their hard-earned money while these crackers are, 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 are planning and, and, and preaching every day for this destruction. And, I, and I'm just saying this, Brother Ellen, Brother Richard, somehow... For our people that listen around the country, we have got to get to our relatives, especially some of our oldest black relatives, our females, especially number, even some of the brothers that's older, but definitely some of the elderly uh, female relatives in our families across the country and, and try to put a stop to this. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because some of us ingrained a lot of them, but we got to do the best what we can with what we got to keep our people from getting caught up in this stuff because these white racist preachers are not friends of black people. They are hateful and bigot and stuff. We've got to do our best to keep sure that our people are not fleeced out of money from giving it to these racists. I mean, damn, we got bad enough you got these slimy black preachers, a lot of them, but damn, now you got these white cracker preachers that we got to deal with now. So hopefully that, that message can get out, Brother Ellen, and we can do what we can to make sure that these devils, these white uh, right-wing preachers don't keep fleecing our black women out of their hard-earned money and stuff, man. That, that, that's, a, that's a serious concern of mine right now, and I mean that too, Ellen. Yeah, well, you know, some of our people, Joe, still have that uh, that European uh, uh, religious view of the of Bible and have a slave mentality to dealing with religion. Instead of looking at these things with open mind, uh, they listen to a lot of these ministers, both black and white. So you're gonna; those things are gonna happen. I mean, I'm to, to be honest, I'm really surprised. Another Jim Jones-style incident has never happened after that. That's a good point, Elliot. That's a good because point. Because, you, you know, you would uh, some of these people that uh, that our people listen to, whether they're on TV or on the radio or whatever, if they told them to do something like that, I, it wouldn't put it past me. They would do it. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and that's, the, that's the scary part, and that's the sad part. Because this joker, like I said, that Peter Popoff, this joker, I don't, you know how something like LA, we live in a society, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, where they sell your information, your name, and stuff like that. Because you, you know, how many times, Brother Elliot or Brother Richard, you got the letter in the mail from a magazine saying, well, 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 well Mr. Elliot, we, we want to give you an offer magazine. You, first thing you said to yourself, well, how I get this? I never ordered this magazine because they sell your names before you offer your permission. So that double had the nerve. Pop off to send me a letter last year saying, Mr. Brother Joe, we want to go pray for you. Send me in a $20, $25 seed money so I can pray. Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, I sent that devil back a letter, and I certified it because I want to make sure that it get to him or his top people. I sent that devil a letter back, 
And I said, in no uncertain terms, brother, don't you ever write me again. I don't support your racist, crooked, charlatan. Let's just let's, let's, let's say, brother Ellen, brother, I never heard back from him again. I don't think I'll get, I don't think I'll be getting any more letters back from the good reverend. You know what I mean? I'm just being real with y'all. I sent him a certified letter. I, I, was, I, I said, I'm going to spend this extra money to make sure that this devil get it. So he in no, no uncertain terms, don't ever write me again. <laughs> you know, but that's all I want to share with you, brother Richard and brother Elliot. That's a concern of mine because, like I say, these these, these and, 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 and they, they do our people. They use our people for 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 for, for all kinds of scandal. Like they like like the devil. They'll have a black woman who claims she's blind. They crack a touch on her forehead. Now she says she can see. Or they'll take an eighty-year-old black man who barely can see. He's crippled or whatever. This devil touches his leg. Now all of a sudden he can walk. I mean, just all kinds of scams. I mean, our people just. Oh man, it's just enough Ellis to make you want like like. Hey Joe, uh, listen, I don't know, but I don't know why you don't listen. You don't think that's true? Didn't Holyfield? He had a heart problem. He went down there. What oh, was that man. guy's name? Yeah, Benny Hinn. I remember that. Seattle he gave Benny, Benny Hinn Hen millions of dollars. Benny Hinn tested yes, his chest, and all of a sudden, oh, his heart problem was healed. I know. I tell you, but we just, but brother Ellen, brother, we go for anything, man. We are, and that's why, like I say, I, I don't want to make, make too much light of it, brother Ellen, brother Richard. This is why the devil, like Jim Jones, could do what he did over there in Guyana, because our people just go for, they go for foolishness, especially with this white preacher. They go for that foolishness, man. And these are some of the most racist, and make no mistake about it, they are right wing Republicans, the majority of them. They anti Muslim, they anti black. They are some of the most bigoted people, yet our people follow these, they, you see these sisters and stuff up there in the congregation. And clapping with the white women up there. I said, them same devils wouldn't want you if you live next door to some of them crackers. You'll find out just how what, what, a, what a Christian they are to you. I mean, we just in bad. We say, like you say, but your show is time for an awakening. Like you say, well, our people suffer from lack of knowledge. Man, that's a clear example of that, man. If you keep following these racist creatures, like I said, Elliot, I'm not giving no slack to some of these black ones either, but damn, boy, I mean, it's bad enough. We got to, at least we can deal with them Negroes because they're black, but you got these racist white preachers out, people giving money to and following them, running around after. I mean, that's that's even worse. You, you the know, black ones are bad enough. That's even worse. Joe, I, you you mentioned that incident, and uh, I don't know whether you or Richard was aware, it's a black woman that wrote a book mm-hmm. in reference to that. She interviewed, she went back and did her research and interviewed See, because I think it was 900-something people that, that died down there in that hot That's sun correct. down in Guyana. But the overwhelming majority of them was black. That's correct. But the people never focused in on the ones that escaped out of there, mm-hmm. that left. And I'm not talking about escape when the carnage was happening. I'm talking about maybe left six months or a year before that. Mm-hmm. And it was family here, black families, that wanted to go and never made it down there. That's true. So it was residual stuff that was going on. This woman interviewed people that had left, that had lost family members, that had wanted to go, and, and wrote a book about it. That, you know, I I wanted to kind of see what kind of spin or slant she was putting on it, or trying to put on it, or whether she was just talking to them, just getting real accounts. Um, it, it's something I might consider uh, bringing to our audience. It depends on what what is being st- stated and and uh, what she wrote, but. Okay. Uh, you know, it was that, that 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 thing that went on, man. It was it, that was, man. I couldn't I couldn't believe that when that incident I, first happened, and then they shot showing those aerial shots, and, and you could see the bloated bodies, around. and the, 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 I I couldn't. It was hard picking out the white folks that was lying on the ground. Exactly, brother. Elliot. My sentiments exactly, and as you know, brother. Elliot and Brother Richard, they even killed the, the white congressman, Leo Ryan. 
he had flew down there to see, to, to see what was going on. They even gunned him down. Yeah, they, you know? they chased him to the airport and gunned him down. Exactly. That's right. I mean, this this joker was just totally out of control. And, again, our people looked at him. He a white man preaching stuff, and, and he, 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 he got the gift of gab. And our people just got hook line. And this is why people like Peter Popoff, Jimmy Swagger, these devils, they know how to. See, see one thing about Swagger, unlike some of these other white preachers, see, he's not stiff. And what I mean by this, Brother Richard and Brother Elliot, this devil has picked up the black dialect. He knows what moves black women. See, when, when Swagger preaches, he, you know how black preachers do all that moving and shaking while they're on the pulpit? Well, Swagger does that as well as, well as anybody. He know how to, he done picked up the black dialect. He know how to shake these black women. See, this, see, this devil, he's well packaged, man. And here's a joke of Brother Elliot that got caught not once in Brother Richard, not once. Once, but twice with prostitutes with his own phony tears. In spite of all that, guess what? He's bigger than ever. He got a 24-hour uh, Christian network with Negroes just giving them money, not just black people, white people as well, but people giving this crack of money over money after he got caught twice years ago with prostitutes. Who are you talking about, Swaggart? Swaggart. <clears throat> Swag. You know, he got caught twice oh, with he prostitutes. Didn't, uh, yeah, I knew that, but he didn't bounce back. Brother Elliot, he got a. Tw- I'm gonna say it again, Brother Elliot and Brother Rich. He got a 24-hour Christian television network. He, he they, they say he's making so much money, it's hard to keep track of it, man. He's, they say he's bigger than ever now. Matter of fact, Brother Elliot, if you and Richie can do this, get this copy of. I'm gonna ask you on a buy. Maybe go online if you were down at the newsstand or in the, in the bookstore. And a copy of Men's Health, they just came out. They got a six-page article on these white shites, the preachers. They was talking about Swaggart and Popoff and all these other clowns. They had to rip people off over the years. Got like a six, seven-page article about all the money they raking in, how they living large, how they got $10 million homes and and, and Yeah, well, believe me, Joe, all of those, the the ones you mentioned, Mm -hmm. guess who answers to them? Uh, Who's that, name any of the popular black preachers, and I'm talking about the uh, what's the fat guy in Texas, the chubby. <laughs> the fat, well, I want to say fat guy. The, 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 you know, oh, T.D. Jakes, yeah, T.D. Jakes, uh, mm-hmm. Creflo Dollar, all those oh, people. Lord. They answer to those people. Oh, no question about it. No doubt about it. No doubt. They're about not. They're they, not they, no they separate entity order. by themselves. They get marching orders from those people. I agree with that, Elliot, 100%, man. That's why I say our, we, we have to do our best. Again, like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, Brother Rich and Brother Elliot, but what we got to do, whatever we got to do, what we can do. If we know any of our relatives that that's, that's, that's send money to these jokers, we got to do what we can to try to persuade our people. It's not going to be easy because it's ingrained a lot, but we can reach one black sister or brother and, and turn them around from, from, from not giving money to these devils. Then consider that an accomplishment, Brother Elliot and Brother Rich. We can turn one. If we can get one out of every ten, hey, that's an accomplishment. Joe, Joe, thank you for your call, man. Thank you, brother Elliot. Thank you, brother Richard. Peace. I know. Take care, man. Richard, we coming up to the end of another program. Um, you know what I want to say, Richard, that, uh, to you and, and to, well, I know you're going to keep track of things, but to the listening audience, you know, being that Kanye's have uh, put forth this bill again, uh, House Bill Four HR Forty, and it was. Uh, Done by the uh, the brother Cam Howard of the uh, of Encobra, the national chairman. He fashioned the bill. I want our listening audience to pay close attention and to see because I didn't know. And, and uh, Doctor Winbush pulled my coat to it. I don't know whether you knew, brother Richard, that uh, no. that the CBC had the most powerful caucus among any Republican or Democrat. I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's uh, big, it's, yeah, it's the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to I want the listening audience to pay close attention and to see how many black caucus members 
uh, openly say, I ain't talking about to give thumbs up behind closed doors, openly come out in support of the bill that is in Kanye's name but was written by uh, the head of Encobra, the national chairman of Encobra. I want you to keep an eye on how many black CBC members, including the three senators, because there's three of them now, is uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Tim Scott, and uh, Cory Booker. I want to see how many of these people come out openly and say that they're for H.R. 40. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that we could take a look at. I mean, and, it'll and, shock and, me to and, see if any of them come out publicly beside Kanye's. I don't, you know, he it's in his name, so I guess he'll have to. But uh, I want to see how many of them come out publicly and say they're for it. Because if you look at these people that fund a lot of these uh, black movements, Jewish folks, if you don't come out and publicly support Jews or support Jewish initiatives, then your name is mud, and they're going to make sure they drag your name in the mud. You won't get money from them. If you're a politician, they're going to run candidates against you to make sure you're out of office. They're going to make you pay a price for not publicly supporting them. That's why you see all these caucus members give the thumbs up to any initiative that Israel's behind. But I want to see how many of them publicly give the thumbs up and come out and support this new bill that's been fashioned, for not for the study of reparations, but for uh, uh, some type of reparations payments and the form that it's going to take. I, I want to see how many of them come out in support of it openly. It's going to be something to watch. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to Oh, another thing I want to mention, uh, uh, make sure you tune in on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, Sister Proof of Consciousness, and the program is called Revive. She had an interesting program today. I don't know whether you caught it, Brother Richard. No, S- I couldn't Sister Nataki Kambon was on uh, uh, with Let's Buy Black 365 oh. and was talking about the importance of uh, young black millennials being entrepreneurs. She wasn't even talking about Let's Buy Black 365, but it, it was mm-hmm. an interesting conversation. So uh, she's building. She's I'll building her audience. Podcast. Yeah, she's building her audience, uh, and I want uh, people to start listening to her. She's on Wednesday night, 8 to 10. She's also on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock from 11 to 1. And uh, like I said before, we'll be having new programming added probably by around the 1st of March, uh, Shifting Paradigms out of Los Angeles, California. So, uh, you know, just just keep listening to Time for Awakening. We're going to try to uh, bring guests that uh, you want to hear from that, that have some content that are doing things, not people just talking, that are doing things in our communities, and I think that uh, that you should hear about. Uh, again, we'll be on Friday evenings, or Friday night. You'll see us again Friday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, we've been on, uh, I guess we've been doing this now since the first of the year. So it's two nights for Time for Awakening. Uh, Fridays at 8 and Sundays at 7 p.m. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.